Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina alongside former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Skandrick. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Orlando, uh, the Cowboys coming off uh, a very, very, very disappointing uh, weekend in uh, in Washington last week. The tons of injuries. Some guys are coming back, which is good. Uh, but Ben DiNucci is going to start against Philadelphia this week. Um, the expectations for this Cowboys team could not be lower than they are right now, moving forward. So, if you're the Cowboys approaching it with a with a rookie quarterback and guys going out the door, what's this week like? In a, in a football locker room when you're in this kind of slump? Um, I was watching um, Undisputed this morning. Anybody knows me knows I do some work over at Fox Sports 1 with Skip and Shannon, and I'm going to kind of coattail and take something that Shannon said. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I get 15 plays on offense, 15 plays on defense, 15 of my best plays from the season. Plays that I was, you know, that was productive plays. We stopped them on defense, moved the ball on offense. Everybody did their job. And I show those to my team and I say, if we can just do this consistently on Sunday and just play our game and play our best game and just, you know, we'll be able to go in and give ourselves a chance to win. It's not like Philadelphia is world beaters, but now let me talk in terms of, let's just be realistic, Paul. Realistically, the expectations, I know Jerry Jones expects them to win. I mean, yeah, he's the, the roster that he put together, he expects him to win. But what he's got on the field, he, he went from looking at, you know, Dak Prescott, one of the better young quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, if something happens to him, I got a proven veteran quarterback who's a starter and played at a high level with Andy Dalton to now I'm going to start the birth of Ben DiNucci with no preseason. This guy's really played no live action. Played 12 snaps last week. He completed two or three passes. He was sacked three times, fumbles twice. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are licking their chops and they're trying, you know, they can't wait to get out there on Sunday night in the link and just, you know, this is the first time they can establish a little winning streak. And, you know, for Dallas to, to kind of change gears, you see the removal of or the dismissal of Don Terry Poe, the trade of Everson Griffin, the dismissal of Daryl Worley. I said this all along. They don't look comfortable in the scheme. Um, they don't look good in the scheme. And, you know, this is typical NFL. Out the door goes the players and the same coaches, and you'll get the same result. 
Yeah, uh, and that that was the big story this week in Dallas was the the Cowboys. You know, they trade Everson Griffin, uh, and that to me, you know, was was mostly a scheme thing. You know, like he wasn't playing in the right scheme, and it almost like he was playing well. But of the three guys who got sent out the door this week, he was the only one who played even remotely well. Uh, Daryl Worley uh, didn't play well at all. Don Terry Poe. Uh, was was really a whiff and was overweight. Jerry Jones had uh, was very frank about uh, you know Don Terry Poe coming in overweight, not losing weight, not making a single play. I mean, he had. All right, let, let me stop you there. Yeah, you think Don Terry Poe gained thirty pounds since they signed him? No, think I think they came in with thirty pounds and he didn't lose it or so, didn't do anything to get better. So yeah. when he was thirty pounds or maybe even forty pounds overweight when they signed him, who had to sign off on the past physical? Well, that would the Cowboys. Yeah, so, you know, and then Everson Griffin, I told you this like week two. And, you know, when he said, when he made the statement, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not standing up anymore. I'm going to put my hand in the dirt and get back to what I'm used to. So basically he get, he given up on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you got a guy like Worley, who was a guy that was bouncing around, you know, he was drafted with the Carolina Panthers. He got into a little trouble there. Then he goes to the Raiders, you know, they were struggling defensively and he leaves out the door there. And then somebody gets the bright idea is they're going to bring him to Dallas and now he's going to be any better. He's, he's, He's anything – he's been anything short of horrible. And now you got those three guys out the door. You already lost Gerald McCoy. So, if you look at all the free agents that you signed on the defensive side, let's start from the front, from the front moving back. You brought Gerald McCoy and you brought Don Terry Poe from the Carolina Panthers. Both those guys gone. You brought Alden Smith in. He won't say he's a free agent. He says he's a guy that was reinstated. But we can still call him a free agent for the sake of just calling him. You know, he's been okay. Been okay. I mean, with the expectation of what he had, he's been it's been good. And then you go. Let's move back to the linebacker. They didn't they didn't do anything at the linebacker. They stay pat at the safety. You brought in Clinton Haha Dix. He didn't even make it out of training camp. Cut. Daryl Worthy. He makes it eight games. Cut. So you brought all these guys in. You brought this new defensive staff, and they looked at the roster and they said what they have. Then you brought these these new defensive guys, and they said they will fit our scheme, you know, and McCarthy drafted Clinton High Dix. So, you know, he, he felt like he knew him, and obviously maybe Mike Nolan felt comfortable with him. Uh, Mike Nolan felt comfortable with Daryl Worley. He felt comfortable with – he needed some guys for his 3-4 scheme up front. So him and his D-line coach, Tom Sula, got together and looked at those guys, and all those guys have been a fail. Now I look and say, okay, maybe those guys haven't performed, but – as my coaches, as the people that, you know, stood up and told me what players they want, when do I kind of point the blame on them? Because even if you go a step further, the guys that they've drafted on defense, Galvin Nellimore, um, I don't know if I said – did I say his name right? Ne- Neville Gallimore. No, sorry, ne- Neville Gallimore. Um, I believe they drafted another defensive lineman. They drafted Reggie Robinson, a corner. None of those guys have made a play either. And some don't even dress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, like they have, they, they made n- none of the decisions they made worked out. None of them. None, the the I mean, thing is, if you look back to the Dallas Cowboys and you look back even the years, let's just go back for me. Fifth round pick played a played a role in my rookie year. And then you want to go back and then think of Anthony Brown, seventh round pick, role in his rookie year. Cheeto, role in his rookie year. Jordan Lewis, role in his rookie year. We've always had Barry Church role. Uh, started off as a special teams player, still had a role. Even other guys that were special teams guys, Danny McRae had a role. Jeff Heath had a role. Like, and when you're drafting guys and you're struggling on defense and you're drafting and you're signing guys that have no role in their rookie year, like, I don't understand. 
yeah, nothing, nothing's worked out for them on defense. That's, that's, it's been all, uh, I don't want to say it's all, been all bad decisions, but it's been all things that just, I mean, didn't work. I mean, at the time, you know, and here's the thing, they knew about Gerald McCoy's leg because of his contract. They, you know, obviously, you know, Don Terry Poe didn't, didn't put on some kind of skinny suit and fool him. You know, when he walked in, they knew how much he weighed. Um, and you know, um, I mean, so all that stuff, they should have known that. And then you can blame it on the off season all you want, but the bottom line is, is like now they're in it. Like they're, they're in it and nothing's working and they've got to change some things. They say, well, we got to get some young guys out there. Well, now they have to, cause those guys are all, all gone. I mean, like those guys are right. going to have to play and somewhat perform because there's no one for the Cowboys to fall back on than the guys that they're going to throw out there the, now, but it shouldn't make you comfortable that with Don Terry Poe, not making any plays at all for the first seven games of the season, we didn't hit the quarterback one time in seven games. Uh, no quarterback pressures, none of that stuff. Uh, no, like very few, you know, stop, you know, stops in the run game, all that. They didn't say, well, go in there and do it. I mean, whose name did you hear instead of his? No one's. So if you couldn't get him off the field when he's playing 53% of the snaps, then how much better should Cowboys fans feel about I was, what the defense is? This? I was a little bit weary when they announced Tristan Hill as a starter. This was a guy that was didn't even dress for a game in his rookie year. And then you get this new coaching staff and it's this new found, he found this newfound rhythm and became a starter. And even in his six or seven games that he played, he didn't make a play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's a that's an area of need for the Cowboys, no matter what, uh, coming down the line. Like they got no production out of it; they've got none of it. And uh, you know, who's to say like who's to say that Neville Gallimore or anybody else is going to really fit with their whatever the hell they're trying to do? Very you know? true. But let me correct myself because I pride myself off of speaking facts and not being biased. They do have one draft pick on defense that is playing a major role. His role's up and down now. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes he gives up more plays than he makes, but digs. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have a lot of like hope and they see a lot of him, you know, and I, I'm I'm indifferent about him right now. Does he have ability? Absolutely. But he at Alabama he started off as a defensive I mean he started off as a wide receiver, then he became a defensive back. So everyone wasn't as enamored with oh, you know, he had ball skills, but I don't give a damn how much ball skills you have. And excuse my language. If you're five yards behind a guy, ain't, ain't a ball skill in the world. That's going to help that. Well, if you're nowhere near the ball, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can talk about it all you want. Yeah. They, and what I worry about with Trayvon Diggs right now is how much like, you know, how much are you going to have to dig him out of a hole later in his career? I was like, thinking that as a defensive back, as a defensive back, you know, and you've been around this game a long time, regardless if you played or not. You can – there's only – there's a breaking point for everything. You give up enough balls, you'll break someone's confidence. Yeah. I think that's the – I think that's the – I'll just use the case of, of Dave – like he's not a defensive back, but he was a quarterback. David Carr, uh, when he was drafted by the Texans, okay, they let – like he was probably a lot better than his career turned out, but for the first three years of his career, they let him get pummeled. So by the time he was actually, you know, kind of a serviceable quarterback, he was kind of broken. Like – See, but, but, but my thing with Trayvon Diggs is, like, does he have ability? Yeah. But, I mean, potential is, is nothing without work or preparation. Yeah. And when you have your eyes in the backfield and you're getting beat deep on inside play action, something that you have no responsibility with, no chance at making it, that just tells me you're not disciplined. And 
you know, I've always thought this about Alabama and Nick Saban DBs. Either they're going to be really good, a la Marlon Humphrey, or they're going to be really bad in the league, a la D. Milliner. Yeah. Well... I heard Mike McCarthy this week talking about the eyes in the backfield. And he said, look, we always talk about defense is about the eyes. We always talk about this. And he says that all the time when they, they say, well, this keeps happening and this keeps happening. It was, well, we always preach it in practice. Then where's the disconnect? If you're always preaching it in practice and you're always working on it, then where's that disconnect coming? Because it's not translating to when you're in action on the field. You know, so, uh, you know, that, and you, you know, I'm, I'm, I believe the old cliche that you, you, you play how you practice and clearly they're, you know, they're not practicing all that well right now or that, or something's not landing. So, and that for a young defensive back, for a rookie defensive back who you've thrown into a starting role, uh, I mean, that, that can be damaging down the line. I mean, I just, you know. Hopefully let's, it doesn't. Let's, it, it, let's look at the future a little bit here, you know, and I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse about the Cowboys because they are where they are. And, you know, that's not from a personal standpoint. That's just from a, a standpoint of a Dallas Cowboys fan, a former Dallas Cowboy, or just a sports fan, a sports analyst. If, if we get through the season, you know, say they win three or four games, you go into the off season and you say, okay, our offense was hurt. We lost our quarterback. We had a bunch of injuries on our O-line. What do you do with your defense? Do you give another chance to Mike Nolan? Do you keep everything the same? Or what do you do? Because I'm a true believer in life. Nothing stays the same. Either you're going to get better or you're going to get worse. And clearly they're going to get better next year on defense regardless because they're at the bottom. Can't go anywhere from you can't go anywhere but up. But what do you do, Paul? Yeah, I, 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 I firmly believe that uh, Jerry will uh, kind of push the envelope on, look, you, you had your fun with your buddies, but you got to bring somebody in because he's, he's done that before. But they say, they say Mike, Mike McCarthy is a very loyal guy, and he, he, hung on to, he hung on to Dom Capers entirely too long. Yeah, I think he, well, I mean, he's working in a different in a different organization now, though. So, um, as opposed to the, the Packers, kind of, I think let him run wild a little too long. And look, Jerry, I mean, again, you've got a window here that's that you know with with the players that you have uh, with with Deke and uh, Deke, <laughs> uh, Zeke and Dak and Mark Cooper and see like all these great offensive players you have. Your offensive line window is clearly getting really really narrow. Uh, right now with, with the guys that you have. You know, Zach Martin, you know, he, he's still going to be good. Lael Collins will come back next year uh, and hopefully, you know, be good again. But you've got some young guys. Connor Williams hasn't worked out. And then Tyron Smith, you're all pro. You're, you're, you're probable, probable future Hall of Famer. you got to start wondering about how much longer his career is going to last. I mean, because this has been an every-year thing. So you've got that problem uh, already on offense that you, that, that's probably a little bit more solvable than defense. I don't think you can waste time with Mike Nolan trying to figure himself out in year two. You know, when, when the defense is – historically bad. It's not just bad in the like, well, this year they're the worst defense. This is the worst defense since 1961. I, you know, like the, <laughs> the last time there was a defense this bad, there weren't microwave ovens, Orlando. I mean, like, it just like, that's how bad it is historically so far. So unless he somehow figures it out down the line, which I, I mean, the, the seven games of evidence that we have don't seem like that. So 
I, I just don't I don't see Mike Nolan coming back as loyal as Mike McCarthy wants to be. You know, Jerry Jones is the one who's going to make that call as opposed to whatever they do in Green Bay, which is a lot different than they do in Dallas. I don't think he's going to be able to to cling on to his buddies that long. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing what's going on with the Cowboys, man. So much talent. Um, they got some high-level, high-level players, highly paid-level players not performing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, just, I just refuse to believe that DeMarcus Lawrence forgot how to rush the passer. I refuse yeah. to believe that, like my, my man Shannon said, that Jalen is struggling this bad. I mean, at some point – you know, if they've been a former player, you have to put some guys in position to do what they do great and to do what they do well. And, you know, that's why you have schemes. And that's why when you go through the draft, you draft players that fit your culture, that fit your scheme. Because if that was the case, it would just be the best collection of the best players. You know, that's what makes it a team and people that work together, people that, that fit the scheme together. And, you know, I, I just, I would have a hard time, you know, bringing back that staff. I would have a hard time. I think Jerry gave Mike McCarthy much more freedom than he's given any other head coach. Because when he hired Wade Phillips, he made him hire his offensive coordinator and Jason mm-hmm. Garrett. When Jason Garrett took it, taken over, I think he let Jason Garrett, I think he let Jason Garrett pick, he picks Rob Ryan. Then after Rob Ryan, I think he kind of stepped in and said, all right, well, we're going to simplify. He took some advice from some scouts, some people that he had around and he said, all right, we're going to bring in Monty Kiffin. They had this Tampa two scheme that where if you could get up, some points with our powerful offense and Tony Romo and Des Bryant and DeMarco Murray. If you can get up, we can get after the pass. We just need some edge rushers and then we can protect our secondary at time. What at that time, which was not our greatest strength because on our front four, we had a DeMarcus Lawrence. We had Anthony Spencer. We had Jay Ratliff. We had Jason Hatcher. We had those guys. So, you know, in our linebackers, we had Sean Lee and we had, we had some good linebackers at the time. And, you know, and our secondary was a little bit of a, uh, an issue. You know, we had, just moved on from Terrence Newman. So we had myself and Brandon Carr and Mike Jenkins, and then we drafted Morris Claiborne. So I think I look to see, you know, Jerry find a way to find and hire one of these coaches, these great defensive coaches that was probably fired as a head coach and, you know, to lead the defense and try to kind of have a resurgence of those players. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think they, they, they're definitely going to have to do something at, at defensive coordinator because they don't, they, they, but they don't have, you know, looking at the future. I mean, you gotta, you gotta start to question the talent. And then I was, you know, the other day I was on overthecap.com just looking at what their salary cap, look, they've got $20 million of space right now. And so you think, okay, well, that's great. They have $20, $20 million, million dollars, but it's gone right away. It's gone. Wait, wait, $20 million worth of space this season? Coming to next year with the, like, they would have $20 million to start off, but they already, it, you, it might as well be negative 15 because they're going to have to sign Dak to 35 million. So, okay, but, 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 but wait a minute. Let's, let's rewind there. Yeah. 35 million doesn't mean you're going to have a $35 million cap number. No, I know that. Unless but, it's a franchise. Yeah. Secondly, we don't even know what the salary cap is going to be based off of how they're going to mitigate the losses from coronavirus. Well, most, most of the thing they think it's going to be about 179 million. So that's what they, they think it's going to be next year. Like that's just the best guess. So we're just with that kind of theoretical number out there. The Cowboys have 20 million, you know, dollars of cap space going in. It's almost like, you know, a bunch of it's going to get taken up, whether they, you know, sign back I, to a long term or not. Like I never look at, 
I don't want to cut you off, Paul, but I never look at cap space like that because you've always got to say, what about the players that are going to be released? What about the contracts that are going to be restructured to create money? I never look at it from a cap space perspective. And also, I'm not a huge proponent of signing free agents. If you want to talk about free agents, name me the last free agent that was signed that lived up to his contract by the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to have to go all the way back to Deion Sanders. Uh, Leroy Glover is probably the only one that you could make an argument for, and he wasn't playing for some very good teams. He was just a really good player uh, on some uh, um, average at best teams. So, yeah, no, it, it, you're right. I mean, you're right. No, my point was is like, so you're not going to sign free agents because, you're, you know, your cap space is going to be, you know, pushed uh, anyway. So you've got to start building this team through the draft and hitting in the draft. Like that's what they're going to have to do. So they need to get something out of their young players and the young players that they already have there. I mean, they've got to get something out of them because it's not like, you know. Well, you need yeah. to the, – the best thing to do if you're going to build through the draft, you need to have some you need to have some continuity. You can't keep switching defensive coordinators. You can't have Mike Nolan draft these guys. And then next year you have Marvin Lewis, defensive coordinator. Then the next year you have Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, because now you have a, a collection of different schemes and different systems, guys. Yeah. And that was one thing that having that Monty Kiffin, Rob Marinelli – Iberflus, um, Chris Richard's scheme. That scheme was all the it was similar. It was four three, one gap, single high or Tampa twos, all like the same sort of scheme. So you had players that were used to doing things. You got to think if you're developing something. If I'm a if I'm a guy and I'm working and I'm a doctor, right? I'm not gonna go from being a heart surgeon to just being a orthopedic surgeon, you know, year to year, you know, I have to, you're going to have to do something to work at your craft and continuously work at your craft. And it's, it's going to be hard. You know, and maybe, maybe they're going to be forced to stay with three, four, but maybe they'll get a, a better guy that has some multiple, some multiplicity to his three, four, to some, some four, three principles. But I seen what they were trying to do. They were thinking, all right, we'll be three, four base. We get a big run stuffing nose tackle. And then we'd be up in a lot of these games. And, you know, and then when we're up, and we get in our sub packages, we'll be a four-man front, and we'll unleash Alden Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, Everson Griffin. We'll, we'll unleash those guys with a Gerald McCoy. But the problem of it is Gerald McCoy hasn't been Gerald McCoy in some years. Alden Smith was taking some, some time, has taken some time off. You know, he wasn't the same. He's not, he's not nearly the same guy as he was when he played for the San Francisco 49ers. He's still very good. And it just didn't work out like that. Yeah, no, not, none of it has. And, and, and because, of, you know, because they missed on the guy, but they like also like changing, changing when you all, you know, you already didn't have a couple guys on the roster that were really going to fit in that. Like, you know, to me, like if, if you had some guys that were more like fit that they could kind of play in, in any kind of defense, like that, that would be, that would be a smarter thing to do, but they didn't really have the guys on the roster that could do that already. Like even, even just to, to get by and be passable. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence was a guy that was used to playing 40 to 45 snaps a game and getting after it. Um, Tyron Crawford is a guy that's been Mr. Consistent. He was able to be a defensive end, a defensive tackle, and, a, and a, you know, he could be an interior rusher on pass downs, and he could be a defensive end on, on rundowns. You know, he was a guy that was used to that, and those were your two kind of mainstays. Uh, all the other guys on the D-line before this were just, were, were just question marks. And then you question yourself. You spent – Three million or six million, whatever you spent on Gerald McCoy, and then whatever you spent on Don Terry Poe. Why not just keep a guy that you had homegrown in Malik Collins? Yeah, a guy that went up to Las Vegas, signed with the Raiders, was named the captain, and playing some pretty good ball up there right now. 
Yeah, no, it, uh, it yeah, it, it does make you wonder. I mean, and, and like they they did the thing where you know, and like they they've not been like they've not been super active in free agency for the last decade, really. Like most of the times they get somebody in free agency, it's in that last little wave of you know somebody like Haha Clinton Dix when they signed him this year was is a one year deal is towards the end. Like, hey, well that makes sense. Let's see what this guy can do. But what they did with Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe was well outside of what they'd been doing. And then neither of those guys have like Gerald McCoy didn't play a snap and Don Terry Poe might as well not have. I mean, really? So uh, you got zero out of all that. And that's, that's before you even bring in the secondary guys. And the biggest issue to me is not really the secondary, uh, even though it's been bad, but there's not a pass rusher. They can't stop the run. It doesn't like, they can't stop the run. You don't have to throw the ball. They can't stop the run and they generate absolutely no pressure in the pass rush. Yeah. So the secondary, yeah, it's got problems, but you know, you're already, you're already setting them up to fail by not giving them any help. Like, all right, better not get burnt. I, I summed it up to just genuinely and simplistically say they suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's just I, I gotta call a spade a spade, man. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who played in the NFL, someone who played at a high level for a number of years, someone who was a part of that organization, it's unacceptable. And when it comes down to it, they suck. They do. And look, the Eagles have been bad. The Eagles have been bad for most of the I mean, even their wins aren't good wins. I mean, they don't have good wins. So, you know, I mean, I guess everyone's good, but they don't, they've not, they're not beating anybody that's good. But they, but they play hard. Yeah. And that's not true. They beat the 49ers. The 49ers are a good football team. Yeah. They beat so, the 49ers. 49ers are a good football team. They were in games with the Steelers. They competed to the end. They competed to the end to the, with the Ravens, you know, and, you know, they, they play bad at times, but they play hard. At least they have some continuity. They have a scheme. They have some guys that played in that scheme. And, you know, just at at this point, it's it's simply simply it's it. They're playing better football. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, but um, you know they they and and again, it's it's a bad matchup. Like defensive line to offensive line, Zach Martin coming back or not, still a bad matchup for the Cowboys. I mean, there's some good some of the best defensive linemen, one of the best defensive linemen in the whole league uh, across the way. There, Fletcher Cox, you know, mm-hmm. Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, all really playing well. Uh, so. Uh, and then, and then on offense, like, yeah, they don't have a lot of their playmakers, and Miles Sanders probably not going to play again uh, this week, but they're getting some of their wide receivers back, which was kind of a, a weakness on the team before Deshaun Jackson got hurt uh, anyway. But, but all that being said, it doesn't matter who's been an offensive skill player for the, for the opponent for the Cowboys this year. Whoever it is, they've done well. Whoever it is, they find a way to pull you out of the rut and give you confidence. Yeah. You know, you're like Antonio Gibson. I know he's a rookie, but just had his career day. Just had a career day. Absolutely. You know, you know so he's got confidence. I mean, but Boston Scott, who's who's a you know a solid player in the league, uh, and has made some plays for the Eagles. Made a great catch last week to win the game uh, against the Giants on Thursday night. But uh, you know, he's he could possibly. I mean, he could. He's set up to have a career day, a day that he'll tell like, you know, people like he'll be on talk shows like the one that I have. Uh, you know. 15 years from now, I'd be like, hey, remember that game you had against the Cowboys? Man, that was great. Like, that, that's the kind of games they're having. Yeah, it's just – I mean, I don't know. I would love to to think, you know, the Cowboys. I know they hear the outside noise, and I would just, you know, would, would just 
love for them to just put their backs against the wall and just fight. I just don't see it. Now they may prove me wrong, but I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, and again, that like, I think that, I mean, like the, the, they had expectations for themselves going in, which obviously have changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that you, you know, you, you have to take it one game at a time and all that stuff. But like when you believe going in that you're going to be one thing and then you're another, it's hard on a locker room. It's hard on guys to like, you know, wrap your heads around, you know, this was not supposed to be this way and it's all gone wrong. You just have to deal with what's in front of you. And what's in front of you this week is the Philadelphia Eagles and probably Ben DiNucci, although, you know, Andy Dalton has been ruled out, but probably Ben DiNucci starting at quarterback and doing whatever you can to make uh, his life as easy as possible because uh, I don't think he expected to take a regular season snap this year. Yeah, I think, you know, they're heading in the wrong direction, to say the least, and heading in the wrong direction, that's a team that's already miles in the wrong direction is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and uh, there there are some continuity problems between the players and the coaches right now. I mean, whatever, you know, the front office or anybody wants to say is it may not be as bad, like as, you know, it appears to be when it's reported in the media, but like nobody's like players and coaches are not on the same page. And I don't know. I don't know who's on the same page in that organization. No, nobody like nobody's on the same page right now. And that would, they'll, they'll have to figure out what the the root causes of that are and fix it. But uh, it's not something that you just, you sit down and you have one of those, you know, come to Jesus meetings in one week right now and go, okay, you know, do better. Like, you, you know, it's deeper than that. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's not uh it's not a, okay. Everybody let's every, every, you know, cards on the table, everybody admit what you did wrong and we'll do better from now on. I think it's a lot deeper than that, you know, and the de- like the defense, the defense is so bad. The offense doesn't play like nobody's you mentioned that the Eagles, the Cowboys did not play hard at all last week. No, the, you know, they don't though. I mean, they said it a few weeks ago, uh, Xavier came out and said, uh, you know, no player in the NFL plays hard for 70 plays. And if that's the case, if something you do take plays off or you do take plays where you don't go hundred percent or you might not go hundred percent cause it's not coming out your way. You never, ever say that as an NFL athlete, your first uh, role model you know, for other athletes, you're, you are at the top of the pinnacle where every athlete that plays the sport of football wants to go. Why would you ever come out and say that? That just lets everyone know that that's your mentality. And yeah. then, you know, the effort that they put on tape, which is your resume, would you, if, when you get released from the Cowboys, because as 99% of them and 99% of players at some point in their career are going to be released, is that what you want to go show as your resume to your new or your future employer? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, <laughs> you know, and other than the guys that you're going to like, they, they could honestly tell me that they, they were going to bring back four or five guys on that defense and let everybody else go. And I'd be like, all right. I mean, you know, I know that that like not feel like feasible, but you know, if you told me they had seven new starters on defense next year, I'd be like, well, it can't be worse. No. But hopefully there's seven new guys that play well. But yeah. <laughs> I was a part of a team that was bad when Wade got fired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Pascaloni took over as a defensive coordinator, and when Jason had his first meeting, he said, you know, I'm sorry that Wade's gone, but I'm now in charge of this team. And you guys have, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, we were one and four when he got fired, correct? Mm-hmm. One and four, one and five. He said, you guys got 12 weeks. You got 12 weeks to show me. You know, who wants to be a part of this organization? And you thought every day, you know, I want to be here. 
I want to be here. Put my, I'm putting my back back against the wall. Like put my back against the wall and show what I got. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's going on. I doubt it because I mean, you know, it starts at the top. Yeah. I don't think McCarthy feels any pressure. I don't think he, I think he knows he's not, he knows he's not gonna be a one and done. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, and, and that team and your team, that team played hard at the end of the year, won some games. Yeah, I think we turned out to be that. Jason Garrett um, ended up going six and two, I believe, in his first yeah. year. Yeah. So I think I'm sorry, I take that back. We were one and seven. Yeah, one and seven or one and six, and I think we ended up finishing six and two or six and three, and yeah, we ended up beating. We ended up we ended up beating some good teams. We ended yeah. up beating some teams that were actually playing some some good ball. We beat we beat the Colts with Peyton Manning. They were rolling that year. We went up and we beat the Giants on his first on his first game. And I mean, I just look at that team and I and I go back and I look at all of JG's teams and I remember all of my time I spent with JG, all of my time I spent on his teams, all of my times I spent around the organization. We, we always fought and played hard. We never we never lost games like the way they're losing games right now. And it's it's simply embarrassing. No, and like there was there was the year um, where Rome, like the Matt, the Matt Castle and Brandon Whedon year where, you know, thing, the wheels had kind of come off, but I never got the feeling the team wasn't in the dogfight. It just, but he, but, they could, you could not score. Like just but even the, the, the no, we couldn't, but the defense was still playing. Yeah. Yeah. No, like if, if you, if you get, you know, if they were just say like, theoretically you're scoring on four drives a half, you know, touchdowns or field goals. Like, if you could have still won, the defense was so good that you could have still done it if you scored on two of those drives a half. But let's go back even further. Yeah. We didn't have the type of offensive line that they have right now. <laughs> but but we had continuity. We had players that were drafted and that played and stayed there for four years. Now they got guys that they bring in and they draft and they just release them after a year or so. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, 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 there's – there's more problems, and, and, and that's the thing, I think, when they get to the offseason that's really going to kind of shake them in their boots when they really look at, okay, it didn't take much for this season to go off the rails before it got really bad. So that means you've got some more, a lot more building to do than, than you thought. Paul, I hate to tell you, this train is off the rails. Yeah. This car has four flat tires. <laughs> but like, nowhere. But you get my point nowhere. of like it didn't take much at the beginning of the season for it to start to look bad. Mm-hmm. So that was when every before everybody started getting hurt, you know. So like it was whatever they thought they had, they clearly need to reassess that. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, tough sledding. It is. It's tough sledding. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast Bet- brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm Paul Catalina. He's former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Skandrick. Please like and subscribe wherever you have podcasts. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll be back on uh, next early next week to recap the Cowboys and Eagles and see if we saw any positives from this team coming out of another rough week. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. See you next week, everybody. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.